Welcome to the One in One Podcast, where below average podcaster chats with an above average athlete. I'm your host, Bridget B. My guest today is Trisha Hurley, maiden name Trisha Liston, a former WNBA player for the Minnesota Lynx in 2014 and 2015, and had a great career at Duke from 2010 to 2014. Trisha, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Bridget. Absolutely. So you grew up in River Forest, Illinois, which is what, about 20 minutes outside Chicago? Yep, probably 20 minutes on a good day without traffic. Nice. So I'm assuming you watched The Last Dance. I sure did. It kept me going through this quarantine. I thought it was great. Yeah, it was a really good documentary. I watched the Lance Armstrong one they did like a week later, but it wasn't the same. I didn't see the Lance Armstrong one, but I know that every Sunday, uh, my husband and I were like excited and counting down till uh, the next episode came out. It was really cool to watch because I was obviously so young, um, but I feel like I remembered a lot of the stuff. So it was really cool to like see it all back and in, in such detail. Yeah, yeah, that is true. You probably were just about born the first time they three-peated and then very young the second time. yeah. Is your husband a Chicago native as well? He is. Different suburb than I, but um, born and raised in in the Chicago area as well. Nice. So that's a good date night. (laughs) It is. (laughs) (laughs) So you are the youngest of four girls, your poor dad. What was it like growing up with that? (laughs) It was really fun, honestly. Um, I was kind of the little tag-along copycat little sister, but... Um, even till now, like my sisters are like my best friends. So we had a really great relationship, um, you know, growing up, obviously there was some sibling rivalry there, um, whether it was playing basketball in the backyard or stealing each other's clothes. Um, (laughs) but it, it was really cool growing up with three sisters and then now, um, kind of looking back on it and, um, developing those different relationships as you kind of turn into an adult. Um, but it, it was super fun to be a baby and I had three older sisters to look up to, to learn from, um, and kind of have them make the mistakes before I, <laughs> I had to do them. <laughs> That's the best part. And also I'm, I'm the youngest in my family as well. By the time you were kind of a teenager, I bet your parents were kind of like, eh, whatever. You probably got away with stuff cause they were so tired from raising the other ones. <laughs> my sisters would say that, but I think that Sometimes I disagree, but I guess that just depends who you talk to. (laughs) Now, what's the age difference? Are you significantly younger or is it pretty close in age? So we're all two years apart. Oh, okay. So my oldest sister is six years older than I am. Oh, okay. That's not bad at all. Yeah. Now, did you get into basketball through your older sisters? Yeah, all of my sisters played basketball um, growing up. My dad actually coached all of my sisters and myself included in grade school. Um, So ever since I can remember, my dad tells, you know, this story, like when people ask that question, that I would be waiting in the car earlier than my sisters waiting to go to their practice just because I was so (laughs) excited to go to the gym and like to be (laughs) Um, playing that I would actually just be like five minutes early, like yelling at my sister to get in the car. Um, Oh, that's so cute. And I think just like growing up, I wanted to do whatever they did and basketball happened to be one of them. And as soon as I started playing, um, it was just different for me. I knew that I loved it from, you know, the moment I started and I couldn't put the ball down and would go to three practices in a row if I could. Oh, wow. Dedication at a young age. (laughs) Yeah, I'd sit on the end of the bench. My dad would let me sit on the end of the bench, and I'd wear a jersey just in case. Um, a he funny didn't put story, you in? Actually. So a funny story, actually, with my sister, who was six years older than me. Obviously, at, in grade school, like that's a pretty large age difference. Um, so I think she was probably in like seventh grade or eighth grade. Um, so that would have made me do sixth, fourth, like a second grader. And they were in a tournament, and they were winning, and my dad put me in for a couple minutes at the end of the game. (laughs) Meanwhile, my other sister went up to the concession stand, and somebody asked her, how old is that girl? And she was like, oh, she's only in second grade or something. (laughs) And at the end of the game, uh, the owner of the tournament actually kicked, not only kicked my dad out, 
um, with his team, but banned my entire grade school from that tournament for like five years. Why? Because you played for two minutes? <laughs> yeah, and I, I mean, I, it's one thing if you're older and playing with younger girls, but I was younger playing with such older girls that it was kind of crazy. Yeah, um, you're right. It's a problem if it's the other way, but yeah. I mean, were you dominating out there in second grade? That's a weird way to kick someone out of a tournament. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was interesting, but I was always a little one on the end of the bench, just like Anthony to get in and just like waiting for the day that that was actually my team. <laughs> now, were you able to play with any of your sisters, like in a more formal fashion, like you were actually on the team? Yeah, it's kind of also a funny story. When I was a sophomore at Fenwick, my sister right above me, so she would have been a senior, her main focus was volleyball. She was a great volleyball um, player, ended up playing in college um, as well. But she played basketball her freshman year and then decided she was just going to focus on volleyball. And then her senior year, she decided that she wanted to try out for basketball. And at first I didn't know if she was joking because it also happened to be like three days after tryouts. And she was like, no, I want to try out. And I was like, well, tryouts already happened. She was like, just ask Coach Power. Um, <laughs> so I went up to Coach Power one day after practice. Um, we were shorthanded too. We probably had like eight or, or maybe like 10 girls. So if one girl's hurt, you can't even scrimmage in practice. So mm. um, I went up to him. I was like, Claire wants, to join the team this year and he laughed at me he thought I was joking um and I was like no really and kind of went to bat for her for a little bit and coach power was like tell her if she can come to practice like for the rest of the week and we'll use that as her tryout um long story short not only did she make the team but she ended up being our sixth man and being like one of the most important players on the team that season um and it was so fun to actually finally be able to play with her at like a competitive serious level um, rather than like in grade school um, in some of those like just school leagues. Yeah. Wow. That's an awesome story. She must be quite the athlete. Where'd she go to play volleyball in college? She, she was quite the athlete. Um, she played at university of Wisconsin. She was on their club club team for two years. And then they asked her to play on the, I don't, I guess the, the real university team. I don't know if the, term real is correct but um so she played on the actual team as well for a year there oh nice yeah big 10 volleyball that's no joke yeah she <laughs> won one game too and at Fenwick we this kind of happened to me a couple times which is embarrassing to admit but I showed up to the gym which is probably 45 minutes away and I realized I only had one of my basketball shoes <laughs> so <laughs> my sister ended up giving me her pair of shoes and she had to play in her hot pink running shoes that game. But <laughs> she definitely pulled through with that one. <laughs> That's a nice older sister, always looking out for the little one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, did you play other sports as well growing up? When I was young, I played every sport under the sun. So basketball, volleyball, soccer, softball. I played baseball in an all-boys league. Oh, um, nice. And then... I'd probably say basketball and soccer were my two strongest sports, but once I got to Fenwick, um, decided to just focus on basketball. Um, as you may know, with AAU and travel and all of that, um, you know, it kind of makes it hard to do two things really well, and I knew that basketball was what I wanted to focus on, so um, just kind of went that route. Yeah, it worked out for you. <laughs> I guess so. And as you said, you attend Fenwick High School, which is a private school in Oak Park, Illinois. And when you were a freshman, Deborah Peters, who would go on to be a standout at Notre Dame and then went to the WNBA, was a senior. What was it like playing with her? It was so fun playing with Dev. Um, especially that team when I was a freshman, they were, you know, really highly, like, renowned. There were four seniors. Um, I came in, earned that spot as a freshman, but... Dev and I had a really good connection both on the court and off the court that just made it fun to be around um, her intensity, but her skill level, it was just like so fun to kind of play off each other. And we complimented each other really well, I think, um, you know, and I think looking back on our, both of our careers, it's funny that we played together again 
um, in the WNBA and won a championship together. So we've won a state championship together and also a WNBA championship together, which is, you know, kind of crazy when you think about it. Yeah, that's nuts because not many high school teammates make it to the pros in general, let alone right. let alone get on the same team. Yeah. Was, that's funny. Yeah, I remember getting, once I got drafted to Minnesota, I remember texting Dev because uh, I just thought it was so funny and ironic and cool that we were going to be linked up again and be teammates. Yeah, and you know, that wasn't much of a story, and I thought it should have been. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, not many people in general go pro. We have, you know, 144 girls in the WNBA. So you take that and then you narrow it down to two going to the WNBA from the same high school team and then also going to the same WNBA team. I think it's, I, I can't imagine there's many other cases like that. Yeah, honestly, ESPN should have done a segment on it. Let's write them and see if they'll do one now. <laughs> right, yeah. Five years later, let's do it. Keep us relevant. <laughs> and you actually played against her in college. And you lost on a buzzer beater. That must have been painful. Yep, not as fun to play against her as it is to play with her. <laughs> I remember that game exactly, too. Um, it was a heartbreaker. And at the time, uh, I think it was, I, I don't remember what island it was on. Um, but they didn't have the resources that we do and had in the United States in terms of, like, replay cameras. Um, so some could argue that the shot that they made at the buzzer was after the buzzer, but we won't go there too too <laughs> much right now. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean, though. Those They're played in, like, essentially high school gyms, so it's nice to be on yeah. an island, but it's not exactly the type of basketball court you're used to. Yeah, for sure. Now, as you said, you guys won a state championship. Then those four seniors graduate, and you kind of become, you know, top dog on the team. You go on to score over 2,000 points and are named Illinois Gatorade Player of the Year in 2009 and 2010, which is crazy. Because Illinois is great, has great basketball, as you know. Yeah, that was a huge accomplishment um, for me because there are so many good players in Illinois, especially at that time that I feel like have come out of, um, you know, Illinois and gone to play at really great colleges. So that was something that was really exciting and, you know, obviously an achievement that I'm really proud of. You should be. You're also 2010 you. Illinois Miss Basketball and then three-time All-State and All-Conference and a Parade All-American. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you don't have to thank me. You did the work. <laughs> But what kind of AAU team did you play on? Because as we're, as we're mentioning, Chicago has great basketball. I bet you played with other D1 players. Yeah, so when I was um, a little bit younger, so probably like before high school, I played on a team called Lady Lightning. And then once I hit high school or maybe eighth grade, I can't really remember, I started playing for Illinois Hustle. Um, and Daryl Kipp, he was a great coach. He's he has since passed away, but was such an instrumental part of that program. And I think, you know, everyone loved to play for him. But um, one of the teams that I was on that was most memorable, um, Tony Kokenis, who is also another great basketball player from Illinois who went on to play um, at Stanford. She was a point guard, um, and I was a shooting guard, and, and me and her kind of ran the table. Um, but I'd say we were kind of an underdog in terms of, AAU teams in, in Chicago, um, but it was really fun because, you know, we'd go to tournaments and surprise a lot of people, and we had a really good team, and it was just, you know, a, a fun experience. AAU basketball is something that, you know, looking back, I really miss just because you'd play like five games in a day, and you weren't tired. You'd want to play a six. Then you go to college, and even the WNBA, you have one, and it's like you need a rest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. So you're obviously a sought-after recruit. What was that process like for you? My recruiting process was actually kind of interesting, maybe a little bit more unique than people would think. Um, but I had a good relationship with uh, Doug Bruno, who was the coach at DePaul. I had just grown up going to all of his camps. He actually coached my dad. Um, so they started recruiting me very early on. 
Um, I also really liked University of Wisconsin, um, and it kind of started off a little slower um, in terms of, you know, my the, the schools that I was talking to, um, and then I had a really great summer of AAU, I think going into my junior year, um, and so then I had a ton of more schools that were reaching out and having conversations with. Um, I actually had a couple, I, I won't name any names to put them out there like that, but who offered me, and then they took the offer back, and mm-hmm. then they offered me again saying that we made a huge mistake, like we want to offer you a scholarship. Um, so that was that was interesting, and it's hard as um, a young girl still trying to figure everything out and, you know, going through that process. And then Duke came in kind of, I'd say late in the game compared to, you know, some of the other schools I had been talking to for a long time. Um, and immediately I knew that that was just different. It, it made me excited in a way that, you know, the other schools didn't um, and eventually obviously made the decision to go to Duke and couldn't have, you know, made a better decision at looking back on it now. Yeah, it was a great decision. Did academics play a big role in it? Because Duke has really great academics. Yeah, because I kind of, you know, and I think most girls do have, you know, the same mindset of eventually one day, you know, basketball's not going to be there. And so academics for me were, you know, super important and being able to get a degree from a school like Duke and not only play basketball at a school like Duke, it was just really the best of both worlds um, kind of coming together with that. Yeah, absolutely. And you're part of a great recruiting class that included yourself, Chelsea Gray, Haley Peters, Risha Jackson, and Chloe Wells. Yeah, it was it was exciting. We came in um, all together, and you know, it was from the start to the finish. It was it was really fun being with those girls, and we all offered such a different skill set that I think made it really fun to like look at the different combinations and play with one another um, in different capacities. Absolutely. Now, how was your transition from, from high school to college? Honestly, it was hard. Um, you know, you go from being kind of the hot shot senior, being recruited, um, you know, obviously scoring a ton of points, playing all the minutes, And then you go to college and not only are you playing with the hot shots from every other high school in different states, but they've been in college for one year, two years, three years. Um, So they've had the time to make that adjustment um, to the game because it is is definitely an adjustment going from high school to college basketball. And it was just hard physically. It was hard emotionally, um, not being able to play as much as I wanted my freshman year and um, have the impact that I wanted on the team. And, and so it was definitely hard um, to balance that on top of being your average college kid going away from, from home for the first year. So um, you had the pains of just being away from home and being a freshman in college and learning all what comes with that, but then being a, an athlete and, you know, maybe not having the best first year that, that you kind of expected. I think you're being a little hard on yourself because, yeah, it did take you a while to get playing time, but Duke was stacked. I mean, Jasmine Thomas and Karima Christmas, who are both WNBA players now, were seniors, and you worked your way up to get playing time. I Yeah, I mean, I did, but I don't know. I guess at least me, probably most, most athletes are a little harsh to critique ourselves, and so maybe I'm being a little harsh in that, but... Um, I, you're right. I did, I did join a team that was a powerhouse. I think, you know, in my, I think we were for sure in the top 10 and never dropped below that. Um, in my freshman year, actually probably in all four years that I was there. So it wasn't like I was coming into a team that, you know, needed a ton of work. So I can give myself the grace period with that, but it was definitely an adjustment. Yeah, I know what you mean. You you want to be on the court anyway, and you came from a great high school where you were number one, so I see what you mean. Yeah. But you get the start on senior night your freshman year against rival North Carolina. Starting in that atmosphere must have been nuts. Yes, I remember <laughs> that. Um, it was crazy. I mean, 
that game in general is always packed and there's such high um, intensity, high emotions. It's just such a fun game to be a part of whether you play zero minutes and this game I happened to start and, you know, play solid minutes and play really good minutes. Um, And I remember walking out there with the seniors and kind of looking around and being a, it all clicked of why I chose Duke and just the powerful history that comes with Duke. And then just the excitement of being there um, had a little butterflies. I, I would be lying if I said I didn't, but as soon as, you know, we tipped off and we went up and down a couple of times, you know, it was, it was like any other game um, and, and super fun to be a part of. That's awesome. Can you describe the rivalry with North Carolina a little bit? It's hard. I mean, it's, it's really like you have to be there in some capacity to truly understand it because it just, you walk into the building, whether it's at their place or at Cameron, and there's just so many different emotions. There's packed crowds. I mean, if one team like if UNC wasn't ranked one year, you still knew that it was going to be most likely a really good game because both teams just played so hard in that game. There were so such high stakes um, that it was just such a fun game to be a part of it, a fun rivalry because, um, you know, we'd play each other most times twice, once there and once at our place, um, you know, and then maybe in the postseason too. So you knew each other really well, um, you know, and just being like, that cross cross town rivalry. Um, it was just really amazing to be a part of. And, um, one of the best rivalries I think in sports today. I personally think it's the best and you're right. It is an intense rivalry and a popular image that you see on the men's side of the rivalry is a picture of Tyler Hansborough bleeding after, you know, getting hit by I think Gerald Henderson. But your teammate Haley Peters took a shot to the face one game I was against say that Carolina. Me of one of my teammates. <laughs> <laughs> she got a, a bloody nose oh, or a bloody lip as well. <laughs> yeah, it was it was bad. And Haley is and was one of my best friends. And I remember going over to her when she was on the ground, and she looked up, and there was just to be graphic, blood just dripping everywhere. Um, she actually got stitches during the game and then came back and finished the game. She came back into the game. Wow. Um, That's tough. Yeah. Kind of crazy. Good for her. Yeah. (laughs) If that doesn't sum it up, then. Yeah, it absolutely does. I remember seeing a picture of it too, because you have that light blue court, right? You're at Carolina and there's just blood. Yep. I (laughs) picture that really well in my head right now. Oh, Yes, sorry, sorry for the bad memory. <laughs> and speaking of injuries, you played through the ACC tournament that year with a pretty bad cut on your finger. <laughs> it's a really odd story. Can you explain it? Oh, it truly is an odd story. So we were getting ready to head out from Cameron to Greensboro um, for the ACC tournament. So we were all in the locker room packing our bags. And I'm packing all my things. I'm packing my deodorant, my face lotion, my razor, and so forth. And my bag was a little bit full. So I start putting my hands in my bag and pushing things down. And I cut my finger on my razor because there wasn't a cover on it. And it hurt really bad. And so I looked down. There's a lot of blood. So I put my hand over it and thought maybe it would stop. And it was again, to be graphic, like almost squirting blood. And I looked at Jazz Jazz Thomas, who happened to be next to me in the locker room at that time, and I kind of looked at her, and she looked at me, and she's like, you need to go see Summer, who was our trainer. So I had to run down to um, our training room, and I remember I had to take my hand off so that she could put that stuff that, like, it's like a weird powder that helps the bleeding stop, and it really stings. And I had to take my hand off and you literally see blood, like, again, shooting out of my finger. And then finally it stopped bleeding. We, we kind of patched it up a little bit, but there was a kind of a huge chunk missing out of my 
right hand pointer finger. Um, so if you're a shooter, you know that that's a pretty important finger. And yeah. today, like I'm looking at it now, there's still a little mark where you can see where it happened. Um, and from that day on for a good couple weeks, I had to wear these weird finger covers with tape around them. Um, Summer had to like special order them and she's like, I've never used these on anybody else but you, but I guess um, it, it was quite the story. And coach Brown is, he told me and everyone else to learn one lesson from that. When you pack your razor to either put a cover on it or put it in some sort of wrapping or bag or something. So for anyone out there listening, don't pack a razor with no cover on it. <laughs> I mean, how how sharp was that razor? I'm picturing the razor I have, and if I I just don't think it would cut that deep. Uh, Maybe it's dull. I, mean, I don't know. Maybe I, just, I need to get a new razor. I just <laughs> must have hit it at the right angle, and while I was, like, pushing into my bag, and it just basically sliced, like, the whole tip of my finger off. Oof, that's rough. But yeah, I bet from then on you invested in a makeup bag. Yeah, was not going in there alone. (laughs) But you played through it, and you played pretty well, and Duke ends up winning the ACC tournament that year. Yep, we ended up winning. um, First ACC tournament that I played in, and so that was really exciting. um, Because, you know, when we start the season, that's always a goal of ours, you know, to win the ACC, but also the ACC tournament and kind of get that momentum going into um, the NCAA tournament. Now, how was your finger during the NCAA tournament? I don't remember. I'm sure it was probably like healed, but I I bet I wore a thinner version of that finger cover probably for the rest of the season. Yeah, probably just to protect it from bleeding again and protect everyone else as well. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You guys make it to the Elite Eight that year, so pretty successful first season. Yeah, it was was a great run that we had that year. Absolutely. Your sophomore year in 2012, you become more of a scoring option and start about half the games. And honestly, every year at Duke, you got consistently better. Well, I guess that then I was heading in the right direction, I'd say, huh? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's better than you, uh, you know, saying you regressed every year. You definitely <laughs> progressed every year. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And again, you just come one game short of the Final Four. Yeah, twenty. Uh, that team too. We just had a really great bond. Um, I think everybody was on the same page when it came to their role on the team, um, you know, and kind of the camaraderie was great. Like that was a really fun year um, to be a part of. And I believe it was Stanford that knocked us out that year. Um, You know, but looking back, that still is, you know, one of my favorite seasons. I think, again, we had a great run at it. I wish we could have, you know, pulled that game out and and went to a final four, but um, you know, obviously still, a great experience and making it to the elite eight isn't an easy feat. So um, we definitely had a lot of accomplishments to, to be proud of from that year as well. For sure. Now, how did you like playing for coach P Joanne P McCauley? Yeah. I mean, Joanne, um, you know, growing up and dreaming about playing at Duke and then kind of just, she had a great history with Michigan State, and then coming to Duke, it was it was a good experience to kind of learn from her, and also it was the first time playing for a female coach um, seriously, which was it is an adjustment as well. It's it's different, um, but being able to have her as that female kind of role model and and somebody to talk to was was unique too. Um, so I think overall it was you know a good a good experience. That's good. And how often were your parents and your family able to get down to Durham? Honestly, um, a good amount. Um, my parents probably senior year were at almost every game. Um, I'm super wow. lucky that they were they were able to do that. Um, but they were they were super fans and loved it, and <laughs> they loved Duke, and um, you know, obviously watching us play. But I was definitely lucky the amount of times 
um, that my family, my direct family, and also some of my extended family was able to see me play. Yeah, that's nice, because it's relatively far away, Chicago to Durham. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely, a, when they were coming, it was definitely a flight. Um, but a lot of times we'd play Thursday, Sunday, so sometimes they'd catch two in one trip, um, oh, that's which, was always, which was always nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was super blessed to be able to, you know, have my family at more games than not, probably. Yeah, for sure. Now, your junior year in 2013 is a really interesting year for you because about halfway through the season, point guard Chelsea Gray fractures her kneecap and not only had to miss the rest of that season, but she also had to miss her senior year, right? Yeah. That's tough. You really had, you really stepped up your game and became more versatile. How were you able to do that? Um, I think, obviously, that was a huge hit for us um, from an emotional standpoint, but also on the court. Chelsea, um, I think it goes without saying, was a great college basketball player and, you know, still doing amazing things in the WNBA today. And then on top of that, she was also, like, one of my closest teammates, so it really hit the morale when that happened, but it was in the middle of our season, middle of ACC play. And so we were kind of forced to get over it in a sense of like the season's still going to be played. We still have a ton of talent. And so everybody kind of had to fill, um, you know, a little bigger role. Um, And I think for me that that ended up being a little bit more of a ball handler, kind of helping balance out the point guard position, um, which in turn, you know, did make me a more versatile player. Um, But then you also see that kind of as a little bit of a hindrance, um, more so our senior year, um, because obviously my natural role as a shooting guard and me and Chelsea just played so well off each other, being able to have a point guard who can get you the ball in positions where you can shoot um, and kind of be at your strength. Um, We obviously, I know I missed that aspect of, you know, having her, but it definitely forced me um, to grow my game and, and kind of continue to build on some of my not as strong points, I guess, to become, you know, an overall better player. Yeah, it definitely did. And seeing Chelsea go through that in college, I'm so happy to see her succeeding so much in the WNBA. I and mean, she's a WNBA all-star now. It's great to see. Me too. I mean, she she deserves it. She is crazy good, and it's so fun to watch her. Um, and I'm glad that she is finally healthy enough to be, you know, playing multiple games, playing whole seasons, um, and people can really see her full full potential. Because you know, at Duke, I think we all got glimpses of it, but it was like, let us see the real deal. Um, and she's out there now doing her thing and doing great things. And I couldn't be more proud of Chelsea for that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and after her injury, you go out and you score a career-high 29 points. Amazing. Yeah, I remember that game, too, because it was just such a, such a crazy um, high and low all in, all in one. Um, and again, every ACC game for us was, was so important, and so it was kind of like, not only did we want to play for Chelsea that game, but we wanted to win. And, and I guess it kind of went into a mode of, I'm going to do anything to, to get us to win. Yeah, that's great. Despite losing Gray, you guys go out and win the ACC tournament again. It's got to be even sweeter when you beat Carolina for the title. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, I think, too, for us, that kind of solidified, maybe not for me, but for some other people on our team that, we are still one of the best teams. We still can do, you know, great things even without Chelsea. And I think Chelsea was so proud of us to be able to pick up the pieces so quickly and kind of shift to a new style of basketball, um, you know, without her. And then being able to come into the tournament um, and play the tournament style games where it's back to back and survive in advance. And then, you know, we meet Carolina in the championship. Um, and end up winning and it was just so great and that the ACC tournament is also one of the funnest things uh, to be a part of and not only be a part of but to be able to win so um, it was definitely uh, a great experience and 
um, one of the more memorable mom moments for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I can't speak so much to playing in the ACC tournament, but watching <laughs> it, I agree. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's, it's fun for sure. And for the third year in a row, you guys lose in the Elite Eight. How frustrating is that? It's very frustrating. It's so frustrating now when we think about it. And um, I've had conversations with Chelsea and Haley. We actually um, had a Zoom call a couple weeks back with members from that junior year team, um, Elizabeth Williams, Alexis Jones. And it's still one of my biggest, I don't know if regrets is the right word because it wasn't by choice, but just kind of the one thing that was missing from our college experience was a Final Four. Um, and I think there was multiple chances that we could have, and we, I wish we should have done it, um, just because, you know, that's every college player's dream is not only to go there, but then to, to win a national title. And so um, it's definitely a sore spot. It still kind of cuts deep. Um, but we did do a ton of other things that, you know, we should be really proud of. But it's, it's definitely, it's things that hurt. Yeah, I mean, you have a lot to be proud of. You should be proud. But if it makes you feel any better, you played great. You were in that, that weekend in the regionals. You, uh, you get Norfolk region all tournament, all tournament team. Yeah, I guess that's the consolation prize. But I would have rather <laughs> just won the game and, and gone to the final four. But Yeah, and I know you else. mean. But you did all you could. You, you did your part. Thank you. Of course. You played for Team USA in the World University Games the summer before your senior year. You win a gold medal in Russia. How was that experience? Jeez. Um, I mean, that is one of the most special things about my career. Um, being That was my first time even being invited to a Team USA tryout, let alone making a team. Um, and so I think that that was a huge accomplishment kind of in my own of just being invited to that trial, improving um, to everybody else kind of, and a little bit to myself that, you know, I was one of the best players in the country. I belonged to be there and then making the team and kind of looking around and seeing the caliber of players around me and um, just being really proud of that. And then being able to represent something so much larger than just myself or just Fenwick and then, Duke, but USA, I mean, that's, that's as large as it gets. And so being able to represent our country in that way and kind of wear the jersey and, you know, win the gold medal, um, it was a great experience. I mean, great's probably an understatement. Um, I made a ton of friends um, from the team and learned a lot. You, you know, you pick each other's brains. Um, you hear about different coaching styles. Um, you know, and it was just really fun to – to be a part of that and that experience of being over in Russia and we played Russia in the champ in the gold medal game. Um, so you got to imagine everybody in there is cheering against us, um, <laughs> which kind of made it that much sweeter. But I mean, that experience with team USA is unforgettable to, to say the least. Do you still have the medal? I do. It's at my parents' house. Um, it'll probably stay there until I get my own house. Um, <laughs> but it's, you know, when people come over and my parents will show that. Um, and it, it, it still feels a little bit surreal when we take it out of the box and actually feel it a real gold medal and um, brings back all the memories. And my parents were actually able to be over in Russia for uh, that game and that whole experience. And so being able to share that with them, I think, too, um, you know, the Olympics just seems like such, and it is such a great um, feet and honor and event and be so close to that and, you know, involved in it. It's really hard to explain. Yeah, no, that's awesome though. That's an experience you guys will always remember. Yeah. And it doesn't sound like you're going to get that medal back. It sounds like your parents like it <laughs> at their house. <laughs> they might try to try to steal it from me. <laughs> now your senior year when you get to Duke, you guys were ranked number three. Most of the most of the year, I think, for a while. But yet another point guard goes down in Alexis Jones. 
Did you have to take over yeah. at the point for, for that year? Yeah, and I, honestly, that was that was devastating. Um, with Chelsea, again, not to say one was, you know, a better situation than the other, but, you know, with Chelsea, you still have another All-American point guard, um, you know, in Alexis, ready to go. And, um, you know, it shifted her into her regular position, not from the two to the one. Um, you know, so so that was a softer blow than losing Alexis. Um, losing Alexis, especially for me, I just remember being pretty devastated um, just because, you know, we had been hit so hard with some of the injuries that we had and um, for, what, for kind of what it was worth. I moved into that point guard spot, um, which again, back to my previous point of kind of being taken out of my natural position um, and put into another one to, to make the, the best of it. But it was definitely hard in more ways than one. And um, I don't know. Yeah, that, it was just a, a tough, tough time. Yeah, I'm sure it was. But for what it's worth, you played great at the point. Your senior year, you put up the highest numbers. You were ACC All-First Team. And you were a finalist for the Wooden Award. And I know, obviously, you never wish an injury on a teammate. And honestly, if Gray and Jones had been healthy in 2014, you guys are for sure a Final Four team. I think that myself all the time. Um, if we were able to stay healthy, I think that team would have been crazy, scary good. Um, you know, so that's part of that feeling where I was saying it just felt like something got kind of taken away from us and just given the circumstances with injuries, we just weren't able to overcome them. Do you think in a way, though, the injuries helped your game? Because we're going to speak about the WNBA in a few minutes, but you now go into that draft with point guard abilities and shooting guard abilities. I think yes, and I think no. I think you could probably argue it either way. Um, I think it certainly didn't hurt my overall game in any way, and you know, obviously got more comfortable handling the ball and going off the bounce. Um, but it also took away from some of my strengths, you know, in performance probably um, as a senior. Uh, but I think in the overall grand scheme of things and development as a player, um, it definitely, you know, added to my repertoire of being able to, you know, do many different things and do them well. Yeah, for sure. Now, you guys lose twice in the regular season to UNC before you get revenge on them in the ACC tournament. Were those your only losses to UNC in your career? Jeez. Um, I think that that might have been. I'd have to fact check that, but I can't remember another one off the top of my head. Yeah, I don't think there was one. That's a a pretty good record you have against them then. Because you guys play for sure twice a year and most times meet at some point in the ACC tournament. Yeah. Um, I'll have to double check that now just because I'm curious when we get off um, to to look at that. Unfortunately, that year, you guys get upset in the second round of the NCAA tournament by DePaul. That had to be a tough way to go out after having such an incredible career. Bridget, you just have to keep kicking me down, don't you? (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) I just mentioned um, you had a great record against UNC. Come on. Yeah, I mean, that was heartbreaking um, in so many different ways. That was the way that I was ending my collegiate career. Um, like we mentioned, you know, in every other year, we went so much farther and had such stronger finishes. Um, so that in itself was a letdown. And on, on top of that, Um, you know, having it be against DePaul, a team um, that I was super familiar with, obviously, you know, prior relationship with Doug Bruno. um, So it kind of threw salt in the wound there. And then um, I don't think that I played my best game there. So, I mean, you could just, we could keep going down about all the things that was bad about that game. But I think overall, it's the end of a college career, the end of, you know, basketball as you knew it at that time. Um, so it was devastating, um, heartbreaking, and still kind of beats me up today when I think about it. 
Um, but yeah, I guess any bad emotion that you could think I probably felt. Yeah, I'm sure. But, you know, in the NCAA tournament, upsets happen, and DePaul's a great program, as you know, so definitely shouldn't keep your head down about that. Yeah. It's hard sometimes, but um, that's March Madness, and that's the way that our season, my collegiate career ended, and, and there's nothing we can do about it now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, life goes on, right? But you end your career with over 1,600 points, which is eighth all-time at Duke. Yep. <laughs> but when you think about, like, all the great players that played there, Elena Beard, Elizabeth Williams, who you played with, uh, Mo Curry, Jasmine Thomas, you're up there with them. It's quite the accomplishment. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's definitely, um, you know, a great accomplishment, something I'm super proud of to be, you know, compared and listed with, those players that you just named and kind of put in that same category, um, you know, definitely is a huge accomplishment for me. And at one point you held the school record for three pointers made. Do you still have it or did Greenwell beat you out with that? She beat me on most three pointers made, um, but I have the most three pointers made in a single season. Nice. So I still have that record. Yeah. And I think you still have three-point percentage. I think that's number one all time. Yep, I think I have both of those. Nice. There you go. <laughs> we'll see how long those stay, stay in there. But <laughs> Yeah, records are meant to be broken, but my point is, excellent career, Duke. You should be so proud of yourself. Thank you. Of course. And then a few weeks after you end your college career, you get drafted 12th in the WNBA draft. And you play for the Minnesota Lynx. And WNBA rosters, they're already so tough to make anyway, but you had to make a team with so many veterans. Yeah, I mean, that, that was um, a crazy, exciting roller coaster. Um, like you mentioned, there's only 12 roster spots on 12 teams. And I remember getting ready for the draft, um, there was rumors that I was going to be invited to the draft and, you know, only 12, 12 players do. And then when I didn't get invited, um, I, I, I flew home to Chicago to actually be able to watch it with my family just because there was so much hype and emotion and, um, you know, you didn't want to get your hopes up, but you were secretly, you know, crossing your fingers every time that somebody talked about the draft. And so actually, hearing my name called and being called in the first round um, was surreal. It was a crazy, exciting time. Um, a funny story actually happened. They, once the first round is done, at least my year, they, they changed from ESPN to ESPN2. So we're watching on ESPN, and Chelsea just gets picked, and... Um, maybe there's a commercial or something, but for one reason or another, my sister changes it to ESPN2 because it's getting right about the time that it switches, and then my phone starts blowing up, and <laughs> I'm getting all these text messages, and I'm thinking, like, did they mean to send this to Chelsea? And then I realized that I got picked, and we had missed it from like transitioning over to the TV. Oh, no. So we had to quickly, luckily we were recording it, so we quickly were able to like get back into it, rewind it a second and watch it and like get live with it. But it was just so funny that, <laughs> of course, there was a glitch. Like it was probably like 7.59 and at 8 it was going to switch to ESPN2. But um, I remember that night like it was yesterday. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> That's so exciting, though. And as I said, you're on a team with veterans. You played with Maya Moore, Simone Augustus, Rebecca Brunson. What was that like? Yeah, I mean, I can't say that I wasn't intimidated going into training camp with those players. I mean, you talk about the best of the best. Um, but I was also so excited to be a part of um, a championship caliber team um, and to to kind of join the team there. But I think my experience with those players and, and at Minnesota was really, you know, interesting to learn how these great players think, how they prepare, how they practice and just learn the ins and outs of, 
um, being able to see how they got to where they, you know, are today. Um, but it was, it was a super great experience. Obviously we're able to want to win a championship one of the years that I was there. Um, can't begin to explain that. Um, it, it just was a, a really cool experience and to be a part of the WNBA and have that accomplishment of being one of 144 girls to make a roster is obviously um, a huge accomplishment and definitely really something that I'm proud of. Absolutely. And you may, as you mentioned, won the, the, the national, the WNBA championship in 2015, beating the Indiana, Indiana fever. Do you still have the ring or is that at your parents' house too? <laughs> You're going to laugh at me. It is at my parents' house. Um, but I definitely still have it. It's huge. It's awesome. Um, after we won the championship, we actually got a private concert from Prince. Uh, I think it was one of his last concerts before passing away. And so two things that not many people would ever dream of doing in their lifetime, I was able to do in one night with the Minnesota <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, now that you mentioned it, I remember that story about Prince. Wow. Yeah, it was it was crazy night. It was so fun. Um, he's obviously an icon, and so to be able to get a private concert from him after just winning the world championship, I mean, how do you beat that? I don't think you do. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm assuming that was the best night of your life, and then your wedding day, number two. <laughs> Close second. Don't tell my husband. But that series against Indiana was a really good one. One of the games, Maya Moore hit almost a buzzer beater to win it, right? Yeah, she hit a wild shot at the end, um, had a great pump fake, um, and had a little bit more time than I think the defense thought. So she got them off their feet, took one dribble, and made a crazy buzzer beater shot. I think it was a buzzer beater um, to win the game at Indiana. So it was it was a huge momentum shift for us. Yeah, that's nuts. And you also played overseas, right? I did. I played um, in Italy my first season and then a half a season in Spain and South Korea. Wow. I couldn't play basketball in Italy because I would just eat so much pasta and pizza that I'd be fat and could never make it up and down the court. <laughs> well, they run you enough there that you, you work off your pasta for sure. <laughs> Now, you faced some back issues during your professional career. What was going on? Yeah, I actually had a little bit of that at Duke as well, but it was a little bit more manageable. Um, But in the WNBA, it got to a point um, where it was just unbearable. It's my lower back. um, have some degenerative discs, some arthritis. I remember seeing the doctor when I was, either just finished playing or, or kind of on that decision of, 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 you know, putting basketball behind. And the doctor had said that I have the back of an 89-year-old woman um, and I was probably 26 at the time. So I just had a lot of, like, nerve um, issues. And I remember sometimes not even being able to put my shoes on. I'd have to lay on my back and put my foot up in the air and almost, like, throw my shoe at it. And at that point, it kind of just became unbearable in the sense of my everyday living and then also trying to play professional basketball with that kind of pain um, got to be a little bit overwhelming. Is that primarily the reason why you stopped playing in 2016? I mean, I'd say that definitely had um, a large role in it. Uh, I think that you know, given that and and the circumstance of, you know, everything else, I think I was at a point where I was okay with the thought of life after basketball and, you know, all the exciting things that I wanted to do after basketball. Um, I think if I were 100% healthy, I, you know, maybe would have stuck around another year if I could. Um, But you can always say what if and and what what could should have done. Um, but it definitely, you know, had, had an influence in that decision. Now, how's your back today? It's okay. Um, still have to be careful with certain exercises. Um, I re- 
I went through a summer of not be, being told I was never supposed to run again. I didn't run that summer, but I've gotten back to being able to run a good bit, um, you know, when I want to and in exercises, exercise classes and things like that. Um, but it's pretty achy most days, but it's more manageable, obviously, because I'm not doing all the pounding and, um, you know, conditioning and lift, lifting and all that stuff. Um, so I've been able to figure out ways to manage the pain and, and kind of still be able to do some of the physical and um, exercise that I need and love to do. Um, obviously, being an athlete, that was what I did for a job, and now it's, it's hard to put that in the past. So I still act yeah. like I still kind of have that mentality of an athlete and always wanting to do, you know, different workouts and different classes. So um I'm at a point where I can do that, and so I'm happy with that. That's good. Now is and I put the my back shoes issue? On normally. <laughs> you put your shoes on normally. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> now is the back issue something that's just you're always going to have to deal with? I think so. Um, it sounds like it. I think there's things that, like I said, you can can do to kind of buy yourself more time with it and just like take care of it with yoga stretching and and all that good stuff um Mm -hmm. but i think you know as i get older i don't suspect it'll get much better and if anything it would maybe get worse but um right now it's manageable and and i'm i'm happy with that that's good and who knows you know medicine's always advancing so you never know very true you retire in 2016 since your basketball career ended what have you been up to these past few years well, um, I got married this year. So I'd say that was Congratulations. The, most, <laughs> the most notable thing that I've done since, um, since I stopped playing basketball. But I live in the city right now. I work for Salesforce. Um, so I do technology sales. Um, have, geez, how many? Four nieces and nephews right now. And they're the nice. cutest things in the world. Um, being able to you know, be home and in Chicago to see them grow up, see them born is um, something that I'm so lucky I've been able to do. They're a huge part of my life. And so, um, yeah, that's a little bit about kind of life after basketball with me. Very cool. Four nieces and nephews, the Christmas expenses. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and it's it's only growing. So um, (laughs) it definitely makes for fun family dinners and holidays, but um, super lucky to have those kiddos around and keeps me, keeps me active chasing them around all the time. <laughs> yeah, no, I have nieces and nephews as well. They're the best. Yeah. And right after you got out of basketball, from what I remember reading, you had a pretty interesting job where you were helping place other former athletes into professional jobs. Yeah, I started working at Drum Associates, which was um, a traditional recruiting company, but the woman that I started working for was known, Carly Drum is her name, still um, one of my great friends and mentors today, but she was known for helping athletes um, kind of, I think there was an article, it was like, uh, turn losers into winners on Wall Street. They were calling the athletes losers in the sense that, you know, we don't have all the resume building things that a normal um, student would. So sometimes we get overlooked just because we don't have those internships. And so I started working for her um, and we started trying to build out this arm of the business that would specifically help college athletes um, or former professional athletes get jobs uh, post-athletic. And so I would have conversations with different um, athletes who we'd go over their resume. We'd go over that mental um, transition of going from an athlete to not an athlete because that's um, definitely a huge topic and something that, you know, people need to talk about because it is a difficult transition and um, that mental aspect. And then also finding companies that are willing to hire these athletes um, I was able to do that for a little while and, you know, multiple reasons and the company ended up selling, but um, 
I was able to then move forward and, and move on to Salesforce, which is where I'm at today. Very cool. That's an interesting job. I think that's a good job as you yourself were transitioning from sport to professional life. It's kind of a <laughs> the medium, I guess. Yeah, and I think that was kind of an interesting way to, quote unquote, stay relevant in sport, but also take that transition of going into corporate America and um, real life, so to say. For sure. And personally, if I ever advance to a place in my professional career where I'm hiring, I would choose an athlete probably over someone with a couple of internships because especially with D1 athletics, they know teamwork, they know a time and work management, time management. I just, I'd pick them. Yeah. I mean, there's, a ton of, there's a ton of skills that um, we as athletes develop um, that are totally transferable into the workplace and, um, there's a certain drive that you have to, to have as an athlete to play at that level, at the collegiate level, and even professional. And so, you know, you're wired a certain way. And I, I, I think we do make some of the best candidates for um, companies. Absolutely. Call me biased. But... <laughs> a little biased, but that's okay. I agree. <laughs> yeah. So. As you said, you're a married woman. And from seeing pictures on Instagram, there was a pretty big Duke presence at your wedding. So you still keep in touch with a lot of your former teammates. It's great. Yeah, still still, um, very close with a lot of them. And um, I would have invited all of them if we didn't have two very large families to begin with. (laughs) Yeah, it was a winter wedding in Chicago. Pretty. November. It was November, um, so you could get snow, you could get a blizzard, you could get an 80-degree day. You really don't know, (laughs) but I was hoping for a nice fall wedding, and we actually had the perfect day out. Sun was out during the day. It got cold at night, but um, really was, you know, the perfect day for us. Nice. Congratulations. A little late, but congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate it. (laughs) Of course. Trisha, I like to end the podcast with a couple of fun questions. How does that sound? Sounds good. All right. What TV show are you binge watching in this quarantine? Probably any of the Real Housewives. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Nice. Can't say that's one of the shows that I just I never got into. I pretty much am oh, into I'm... anything else. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why. I'm a big Bravo gal. Okay. And that's <laughs> yeah, that's where it's at. Very cool. Are you Cubs or White Sox? Cubs, for sure. Nice. Where did you go on your honeymoon? St. Bart. And it was nice. amazing. Very cool. Did you go right after the wedding? We went the Sunday, uh, the Monday after. So we had cool, Sunday nice. to kind of re- recoup with our family and friends. And then we left first thing Monday morning, which was Um, I think the perfect way to do it for us. Yeah, for sure. All right. Last question. If you could have dinner with one person living or dead, who would it be? Probably Kobe Bryant. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, He's always been, since I was a little girl, he was always the player that I was obsessed with. And so, um, obviously up until now and and everything that's happened i think that to be able to go back and have dinner with him would be one of the like the most cool amazing uh fun things and i would be very starstruck i'm sure (laughs) yeah i would be too but yeah that's a great that's a great answer and obviously it's still hard to believe that he's not with us it's crazy um I remember that day too, exactly where I was. My phone was ringing because all my family, like, obviously thought to call me. I was out on a walk. Like, I remember exactly where I was and just, re- like, playing it through my mind and thinking that for some reason this, like, wasn't actually happening. Um, but obviously that's not the case, and it was an extreme tragedy. And, um, you know. Yeah, no, I agree. I'll always remember where I was. I was at the gym on an elliptical, and the first text I got about it, I didn't believe it. I was like, no, you're probably on one of those conspiracy websites or something like that. I I really didn't believe it, but then a little while later, obviously, it was confirmed. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, so we've ended the podcast on a sad note, unfortunately. <laughs> but Trisha, I've really enjoyed my time talking with you. It was great to hear all about your career. You should be very proud of Benwick, Duke, and the Minnesota Lynx. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, it was fun to kind of reminisce on, on the glory days. All right, everyone. That was my chat with Trisha Hurley. I hope you enjoyed it. It was great to hear all about her basketball career, including in the WNBA where she won a championship. Seems like she's got a great life in Chicago post-basketball. Very happy for her. I'll be back soon to speak with another outstanding athlete.